at Canberra on a well-earned break over Christmas, spending time with his, with his family. So this morning, you've got me. There we go. That was the response I was looking for. So if you don't know me, my name's Matt. Uh, you can call me Fletch if you like as well. I go by that too. 2016 has just begun. And you know what that means? It means New Year's resolutions. I want to share with you a New Year's resolution of mine that I, that I came up with at the beginning of the year. It is, I need to start eating more healthy. And Chris will put it up on the screen in a sec. But first, I need to eat all the junk food in the house so it's not there to tempt me anymore. Now, I'm quite good at the second part, not so good at the first part. I keep on buying more junk food to eat in the house. But anyway, I was reading some stats over the last couple of days about New Year's resolutions. And apparently 50% of Australians make a New Year's resolution each year. But only 12% of these people are actually successful. And this is what it then becomes for most of us. This is my list of all my New Year's resolutions I actually think that can happen this year. A blank page. Because that's what it is, isn't it? We we make these resolutions, we make these promises, but we don't actually believe that we're actually going to do it, do we? If you actually ask someone who who did make some New Year's resolutions this year, a couple of days back, I hope that you achieve them. But regardless of whether or not we chose to make resolutions of things that we want to achieve in the new year. New years always come with, with challenges. New years always come with adventures, with fears, with expectations. Last week, Joel talked all about how to finish well. He said, to finish well, we need to know what our mission is, we need to orientate our lives around that mission, and we need to keep, keep the finish line in sight. And this is true for the year, but it's also true for our whole lives, isn't it? Our life's mission, it's so important. It guides us. It directs us. It keeps us on track. It it gives us purpose. And Joel gave us a question to wrestle with last week on this. He said, when do you most feel like your true self? And he said, what are the situations in life that you feel, hey, I was meant for this? Because it's in those situations that we find our strengths. It's in those situations that we find our purpose, our our mission, our calling. We've all been given situations in our lives in which we feel that we have a part to play here. God has put these things in our lives. Things that we are a part of. Things that are opportunities to be a part of what God is doing. So today... We're going to have a bit of a look at what it means to start well so that then when it's all said and done, we can finish well. And to do this, we're going to have a bit of a look at three stories of of three people who are found in the Bible. We're going to have a look at Josiah. He's the boy who became king at eight years old. We're going to have a look at Esther. She is the girl who was chosen as the next queen of a foreign nation. We're going to have a bit of a look at Peter, the, the disciple who walked with Jesus. All that these three have in common is that they were all thrust into situations in which they had the potential to be a part of God's work. So they all needed to start well. But first, let me pray, and then we're going to have a look at these three. Lord God, we want to thank you this morning for this opportunity to delve into your word, to understand what it is that you have to say to us this morning. 
Lord, at the start of a new year, Lord, help us to focus on you. Help us to hear your words clearly. Lord, I pray that you give me the clear words. Lord, I pray that you give me what you want us to say and learn this morning. Not just for, for, for everyone here, but for me as well. Lord, help me to learn this morning as well. I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so let's start by having a bit of a look at Josiah. He's the first one in our list. Now, this is a fairly little-known story for most of us. And his story is found in both the end of Two Kings and also Two Chronicles. And it's the story of a boy who was eight years old that became king in a very difficult circumstances. His father, Amon, was assassinated by all of his officials. And it was said of all the kings that came before him and all of the kings that came after him that they all did evil in the eyes of the Lord. But Josiah was a bit different. The turning point for him came in the eighth year of his reign, when he was 16 years old. You see, it was at this point in his life that he began to seek God. This wasn't just mere words for Josiah or a resolution that he gave at the beginning of the year. Once he decided to seek God, it was then how he lived his his life from that point on. Josiah fully engaged with who God was and sought to know him better. It was after that that he began the journey of seeking to, to get the nation back to come back to God. He got rid of anything that took the people away from God, tearing down altars, smashing Asherah poles, crushing idols. When he was just 26, he set about restoring the temple. There was a pivotal moment here, not just for Josiah, but for the whole nation. You see, the temple was where God was. And it was here that they would commune with God. It was here that they would have a relationship with God. They would get to know him. And without the temple, there was no relationship from the nation with God. So by restoring the the temple, Josiah was seeking to restore the nation's relationship with God. And it was while they were restoring the temple that they found the scriptures. They found the word of God. It had been missing. They hadn't known what God was saying to them. But now they found this word. And as they read this word, Josiah tore his clothes being so upset. He'd finally heard God's words. And he realised how far that they were from where God really wanted them to be. They read the words and they realised how far from God they were. And he began to make further changes. Firstly, we read in 2 Chronicles 34 verse 30. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the men of Judah the people of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. And then after that, he set out to renew the covenant that the nation had with God. Next, he set about removing the things that no longer belonged in his kingdom. He removed from the temple all the articles for Baal and Asherah and all the starry hosts, burning them, destroying them, getting rid of them. He did away with the pagan priests. He took down and burned Asherah poles. He tore down the quarters of the male shrine prostitutes. He removed shrines, pulled down altars, desecrated high places, smashed sacred stones, cut down Asherah poles. He demolished altars, slaughtered all the priests of those high places. He got rid of mediums and spiritualists. He got rid of household gods and idols. 
He got rid of anything that would separate the, the nation from God, anything that was against God. And in all that he was doing here, he was seeking to bring back the nation into a right relationship with God. It was said of him in 2 Kings 23 verse 25 that neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance with the law of Moses. And then in 2 Chronicles 34 verse 2 it says, He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in the, in the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left. All of this came about because of what he did at the beginning of his reign. In the eighth year of his reign, while he was still young, he began to seek the God of his father David. He began to seek God. He began to live his life and rule his kingdom God's way. It was this purposeful act of seeking out God from the start of his reign that changed everything. A lot of you would know that my son Sam has been a big fan of Thomas the Tank Engine and all of Thomas's little friends for the last couple of years. And I've got a couple of photos there. He's passionate about it. He collects the trains, he builds tracks, he watches the shows. The movies, I've got some more photos up there as well, Chris. He listens to the songs and is often singing them. He wears, his, he wears the clothes. He talks to his friends about it. He reads the stories of Thomas and he looks at books that tells him more about Thomas and who he is and what he does. If you want to know anything at all about Thomas the Tank Engine and all of Thomas's friends, he can tell you. There is nothing like the single-minded passion of a four-year-old boy. Just recently... It seems to be moving. He hasn't lost his passion for Thomas, but now he has been joined in his passion by a passion for the minions. And I can see it happening again. And I've got a photo there. If you were here on Christmas morning, you would have seen him wearing this. These are the pyjamas that he got for Christmas. And he was up the front of church wearing his minion pyjamas. Only a four-year-old boy can get away with that. He got them for Christmas and went... I've got to wear them, I have to wear them. And he wore them to church and he wore them all day and he wore them that night and I think he tried to wear them, wear them the next day. He loves his minion pyjamas because they're minions. And he just had to wear them right away. And he was probably holding two little minion figurines in his hands as well. He doesn't do anything in halves, young Sammy. When he finds something that he likes, when he finds something that he's passionate about, he fully engages with it. He seeks it out with everything that he has and he just about devotes his whole life to it. As we begin this year, we have the opportunity to fully engage with God and what he is doing right from the very start. We have the opportunity to devote our lives to God, to seek out God. And we can do this by praying to him, by worshipping him. We can read his words in the, in the newsletter that you would have got this morning. And Pam mentioned it as well. Joel's written an article, a great article about devotionals that you can read. Different devotionals, the Bible Gateway, Navigators, Coffee with the King, that's the one that I use. It's a great little devotional that takes a little bit longer than the normal, I suppose, because he gets deeper into the Word. And it's a great devotional to read. It's about getting in there and, and understanding the words of God, looking at the words of God and starting each new day 
with the words of God. We can talk about God. And growth groups is a great way for us to do that. If you're not in a Bible study, like, let me encourage you to get into one. But I know my Bible study, we call it a growth group as well because that's what we're seeking to do. We're seeking to grow together. We're seeking to talk about God. We're seeking to share our experiences and grow. We can watch videos about him. We can listen to sermons about him. We can follow his words in our lives. Really, it's just whatever it is that you do that helps you connect with God. What we did this morning, communion, that's a great example of something that helps us connect with God, helps us remember what it is that he's done for us, how much he loves us, how he sent his son Jesus to die for us, for our sins, and how we can be right with him again. Great example of that. This is not something that can be just merely said. I am seeking God and just leaving it as that. It has to be the passion of our lives. It has to be our way of life to fully engage with God in all that we do. And it was certainly something that Josiah did throughout his life. So that's Josiah. This then brings us to Esther and the story of the girl who was chosen to become queen. Her story, which is found, funnily enough, in the book of Esther, occurred while the Jews were in exile. And I've got another slide that shows us a little bit about that. I've got to keep, keep Chris going. I've got lots of slides this morning and I've got, I'm, I'm just trying to keep him awake. <laughs> Sometimes falls asleep when I talk. <laughs> Now Esther, so her story, it's found in the book of Esther and, and it occurred when the Jews were in, in exile and she was in the kingdom of Persia and the king there, King Xerxes, had just removed his queen so he commissioned a search for a new queen. So Esther was picked along with many other girls to try out for the position and it says in Esther chapter 2 verse 17, now the king was attracted to Esther more than any of the other women and she won his favour and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her queen. Out of nowhere, she was put into this seat of some limited power and influence and a place that she could be used by God. At that same time, the king's second in command, he was a man by the name of Haman. He put forward a decree to destroy all of the Jews in the kingdom. And there's a great passage in, in chapter 4 here of Esther where her cousin Mordecai asked her to use her position to appeal to the king for mercy for the Jews. Now we've got to understand here that this wasn't like a, a wife coming up to have a nice little chat with her husband. This was actually a dangerous thing for her to do. The law at that time was that no matter who you were, even if you were the queen, if you approached the king without being summoned, you would be put to death. The only exception to this was if the king decided to spare you. But the default was punishment. It was risky. It was dangerous for her to do this, to approach the king when he hadn't summoned her, when he hadn't asked to see her. So this is what Mordecai said to her when they were talking about it. He said in verse 14, if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place. But you and your father's family will perish. And who knows but that you have come to a royal position for such a time as this. Maybe this is why you are here, he says to her. 
plucked from obscurity to become the queen. Maybe this is why God put you here, to save our people. God had given her everything she needed to engage in his mission. God had given her everything that she needed to be a part of what he was doing right there in front of her. Dami Yim was a girl who was also plucked from obscurity, and she was plucked from obscurity a couple of years ago on Australian television. She won the Australian X Factor competition, and suddenly she had all of this fame and influence. But Dami didn't let this go to her head. She knew that God had given her these skills and these talents. She realised that God had put her in a position to use them for him. So she set about using her fame and her influence in a mission that God put in front of her. She had a passion to help those in need and those less fortunate than herself. And she had a sponsor child with Compassion Australia already for a number of years. So it was natural for her to, to join with Compassion and start using her power and her influence with Compassion. And when she was given this chance, when she was put in this position of, of influence, she knew she had to use it. This is an Instagram post from just a few days back where she was introducing to all of her many followers who are known as the Dami Army, her newest sponsor kid, Jova from Uganda. And she does many such posts, such as this, on her various social media accounts throughout the year, as well as videos and functions and other promotional activities. Now, this wouldn't be the easiest thing for her to do, supporting a, a Christian organisation, as well as sharing and showing her faith. It isn't seen as the best move in the music industry. It isn't seen as the best way to continue your fame and to move ahead. But she doesn't, because she knows that God has placed her there for such a time as this. She does it because she knows that God has given her a mission for such a time as this. And for such a cause as this, God has given us all many skills and abilities, many different ones. Maybe God has put you here at, at this very place, at this very time, to use your skills and your abilities for him, for what he is doing here. What we learn from Esther is that God has given us everything that we need to be a part of his mission. For Esther, she used her position. She used where God put her. And she saved her people. She engaged in the place that God had put her, and she was used by God. What has God put in front of you? What opportunities has he given you to use the skills and abilities that he has given you to be a part of what he is doing? Both here, in this church, but in your family, in your job in your hobbies, what, he's, what has he given you? What opportunities has he put in place there for you? Do you really believe that God has given you everything that you need to be a part of his mission? Do you really believe that God has given you everything that you need to engage with what he is doing right in front of you as you live? Esther was certainly a good example of a girl who did believe this and acted upon it. The last person that we're going to have a look at this morning is Peter. And in particular, I want us to have a bit of a look at the story of when he walked on the water with Jesus, which is found in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 34. Now, over the coming weeks, 
Joel is going to be having a bit more of a look at, at, at Peter as a disciple and how he came to know Jesus on a deeper level. And this will be one of the stories that, that he's going to have a look at. So I'm not going to look at it deeply here this morning. We're going to leave that to Joel in a few weeks' time. But I wanted to touch on it briefly this morning because within this story, we see how Peter reacts to Jesus doing something miraculous right in front of him. And even though he was, it was just for a fleeting moment, it sets him on a path to starting his ministry well. Now this story occurs right after the, the disciples saw Jesus feed the 5,000 with five loaves of bread and two fishes. Here he was, Jesus, doing this miraculous, unbelievable, crazy thing right in front of their eyes. And after this is finished, the disciples set out on the boat to go across the, the, the river. And they set out first ahead of Jesus, who was to follow them at a later time. And I'm sure they thought at the time that Jesus would just be following them on a different boat. But instead, Jesus followed them by walking on the water out into the middle of the lake to catch up to them. And here again was Jesus doing this miraculous, crazy thing right there in front of them. But it wasn't enough for Peter this time to, to just see what Jesus was doing there and, out there in front of them. No, because this time he said, I see what Jesus is doing and I want to be a part of it. So he asked Jesus in verse 28, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you on the water. So Jesus told him to come. So he climbed to the edge of the boat and he jumped out. And he joined Jesus walking on the water. He joined in the miracle. And he was part of what Jesus was doing. And yes, Peter got scared. And he, as, as he started to realise what was going on around him, as he started to see the winds and the waves and realise, hang on a second, I'm walking on the water. And he began to sink. And yes, Jesus had to pick him up and put him back in, into the boat and save him. But the key here for me is that when Peter saw Jesus doing something in front of him, Peter jumped. When Peter saw Jesus out there doing this miraculous thing right there in front of him, Peter said, I want to be a part of this. And I'm going to come and I'm going to be a part of this and I'm going to jump. Peter was a part of what Jesus was doing here. He engaged with Jesus and what he was doing. He engaged with the situation that God had placed him in. And he did something that seemed crazy to all around. But it showed us a valuable lesson. You see, when Jesus is doing something miraculous and impossible in front of us, and when he tells us to come and to join him in what he is doing, we need to come and we need to join him. While it might seem crazy to everyone, while it might seem crazy to everyone around us, it's actually the sanest thing that we can do because we know that he will look after us. We know that he will protect us. We know that he will pick us back up again, even when we fall. And yeah, we will fall. But he will be there. He will pick us up and he will save us. And the reward for jumping in, the reward for being a part of what it is that God is doing right there in front of us, we get to be right there 
where God wants us. We get to be right there in the middle of what Jesus is doing. And we get to be part of something miraculous and life-changing. This morning, as we begin a new year, let us start well. Let us fully engage with God like Josiah did, seeking after him in all that we do. Let us remember that God has given us these skills and abilities and opportunities to be a part of his mission, like Esther, and to engage with what he is doing right there in front of us. And let us fully engage with what God has placed in our lives, no matter how crazy it seems. Like Peter when he jumped off that boat, just to be a part of what God was doing right there in front of him. Because if we are where God wants us, if we are part of what God is doing, then there can be no better place that we can be. Let me pray. Lord God, we want to thank you. We want to thank you for a new year, new opportunities. And Lord, we want to thank you that you, you have done everything for us. We want to thank you for your love. We want to thank you that you have placed us in positions where we can be used by you. We want to thank you that you're doing miraculous things in front of us. And Lord, we ask that we can be a part of this as well. Lord, give us the courage. Give us the skills. Help us know what it is that you want us to do. And Lord, help us to get out there and to jump. Lord, we pray this in your holy and your great name. Amen.